But this prophecy that Carrie read to us from Joel 2, I think it's easy, at least it is for me, maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's easy for us to read it about ourselves. I want each of us for a second to stop and think of situations in our lives where we feel desperate, where we feel like there's things that are ruined, there's devastation. Maybe it's in our personal lives. It's certainly around the world. Maybe it's in our church. I mean, if we're honest, it can sometimes feel a bit like a a wilderness or a famine here in Little Monroe Free Methodist Church. I mean, we've been in a season of financial struggle for a long, long time. And we're 50 or so people in a sanctuary that seats like 150 or 180. It can feel like hopelessness. So where do you find yourself in the words of Joel's prophecy? He said in verse 2, 23, or chapter 2, O children of Zion, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has given early rain for your vindication. He has poured out abundant rain. The threshing floor shall be full of grain, the vats overflowing with wine and oil. I will repay you for the years that the locusts have eaten everything that you had. And it says, my my great army, which I sent against you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. My people shall never be put to shame. So when a, and when a prophecy like this involves looking back at what has been a season, or perhaps for these Israelites, centuries of devastation, of being overtaken, of famine and hardship, and when we in our personal lives or in our church or in our nation or in our world think, yes, Lord, this is us. Let this be so. Let it be. Let it be so. I think my microphone just died again. <laughs> but I want us to not get ahead of ourselves. I think, I think it's the batteries. Okay, I'm going to switch again. Here. Let us not ahead of ourselves because the words that come after when it says, my people shall never be put to shame. All right, so if you look at your bulletin, the Joel passage, God's spirit poured out. Then afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even the male and female slaves in those days, I will pour out my spirit. I will show portents in the heaven and on earth, blood and fire, columns of smoke, the sun turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, it seems to me with blessing and abundance, with the goodness that God pours out on people, comes great and terrible responsibilities. Because to be in the very center of God's goodness To be living like Jesus means to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that empowers all people to prophesy, to see visions, to dream dreams, 
obedient when the Holy Spirit gives you a word of prophecy or a vision or a dream, even when it seems totally off, totally uncomfortable, when it will cause people to turn their backs on you, when it means changing everything you hold dear in order to be obedient and to usher in the kingdom of God? Because that's how Jesus lived, isn't it? Jesus was willing to speak prophetic truths that people were not prepared to hear. They didn't want to hear a word Jesus said. That's why he was crucified. Living like Jesus means living to hear, to have the Holy Spirit empowering you to do things that will not make you the most popular person. Willing to speak truths to people who might get so upset that they create some sort of operation in order to take you down and disband you because of the subversive ways that you're building God's kingdom and how wrong it looks compared to the way our world says politics and, and standards should be. That's what we're signing up for if we really mean to follow Jesus. Following Jesus doesn't just come with the blessing and the eternal life. It also comes with a commissioning, a task, a question of, are you brave enough for this? Are you up for this? So to be filled with the Holy Spirit, open to receiving truths from Scripture, in prayer, in, yes, dreams and visions, I think it's kind of like being a midwife. Scripture talks a lot about labor in terms of kingdom work. So in this case, I think we're laboring together to birth God's kingdom. And if you've ever been in a labor and delivery room, you know it's intense. You know it's work that sometimes you don't want to do, but it needs to be done to bring the good thing, the new thing, the fullness. This is what we've worked so hard for. So you remember the ways that God's kingdom are upside down? The way that Jesus said, no, no, I could be leader of all the people, but I'm going to get down on my knees and wash your dirty feet. The way that Jesus said, yeah, I could take over the way you're, you're running your temples right now, but I'm just going to lead people who are tax collectors, who are women, who are lepers, who are 15-year-old guys who think they know it all, but they really don't, but they're going to follow me because they're willing to learn and they're willing to do as I do. So are you willing to do the hard things? Are you up for the courage it'll take to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because then there's this other half of the prophecy that if we're honest might make us equally uncomfortable. Because this Holy Spirit power isn't just for a priest or a pastor. It isn't just for the white middle class folk who go to church every Sunday, if we look around us. The Spirit of God is for all people. The charismatic power that Jesus lived in, filled with the Holy Spirit, is for all people. Do you believe that? It's easy to say yes to that because we want to believe that. But let's look at the story that Chase read for us from Luke 18. Jesus is telling a story to some people who were 
as the message puts it, complacently pleased with themselves over their moral performance, and they looked down their noses at common people. So Jesus says two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, a leader in the church. The other, a tax collector working for the government, probably pocketing some for himself. The Pharisee was standing by himself praying, God, I thank you that I am not like these other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of my income. I am the best Christian. <laughs> but this tax collector wouldn't even look up. His face buried in the ground, beating his chest, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you, this man went home justified. But the other who exalted himself, went home humbled. So we think maybe, oh cool, like God is good to the sinner who repents. That's a good thing. That's, that's in line with what we believe. I'm grateful for that. But it's not just about that moment for the tax collector. It's also about this plot twist where the good Pharisee who does good things, I would love it if we all fasted twice a week and gave a tenth. That's a great thing. Like, those aren't bad things in themselves. But this church-going man who was like the best of the best in religion, he was a judgmental jerk. He was the farthest thing from embodying the love of Jesus. And so because of his attitude, he was humiliated. He was brought low. He was rejected. Because of the way he elevated himself and reviled others. So here we are, a bunch of obviously we're good church-going people. We're here on Sunday morning. But let's think to ourselves for a minute. Can, can I be honest with myself? Can you be honest with yourself? Who do you revile? Who do you criticize or insult? Maybe just in your head. Maybe outwardly. Maybe your family knows the people that you don't like. Here's some examples. Is it the illegal immigrant that you disdain? Is it the person who's biracial or bisexual? The woman who chooses to have an abortion? The man who's divorced? the person who's overweight, the smoker, the unemployed, the progressive, the lazy? What type of person? Are you maybe even feel so gross about thinking about it that you just rather, you just, it's easier to not think about it because then I feel dirty and shameful. And I'm asking you to consider this, not to shame you. But because I believe that being honest with ourselves and with the Holy Spirit about where our biases lie is the best place to start. It's the first step towards confession, towards healing and wholeness that Jesus came to offer. So yeah, being completely honest with yourself, like, I don't like those kind of people. I think, I think I'm better than them if I'm, if I'm honest with myself. 
That's where the healing starts. So maybe be honest with yourself this week. Maybe be honest with God. Maybe, if you're really courageous, confess that to someone else. Because that's what James says. Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's where the healing of our, our intense feelings, our intense reviling of God's people begins. So let's bring our judgments into the light of Jesus. So we have two tasks this week. One, to confess how we are like that Pharisee. Because his big problem was that he had no idea that he was actually just as far, if not farther from God than the tax collector because he was so blinded by his pride, by his piety. So let us not be so pious. Let us not be so prideful that we can't admit, I've got a problem. I need to confess how I feel when I pass this person in the street, when I see that person on the news. Can I confess this to you? I feel gross even saying this. Say that to someone this week. And may Jesus heal you and bring you wholeness to build his kingdom with all people. Because his Holy Spirit will rest on all people. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And it, there, the Holy Spirit knows no bounds. The Holy Spirit will speak through my three-year-old and her balloons. My ho- the Holy Spirit will speak through the illegal immigrant and the woman who's chosen abortion and the person who's gotten divorced and the old man who's dreaming dreams and the young person who we think we'd rather just ignore because he doesn't know what he's talking about yet. All people can receive the power of the Holy Spirit. So let us confess this week and let us be courageous. Let us ask ourselves, am I courageous enough to be filled with this Holy Spirit that might ask me to do things that I'm not comfortable with? And may we very soon be able to mean every word of this prayer. Holy Spirit, pour out your power on us, young and old, men and women, Infants, children, people of every race, people from every tribe and tongue, people who are shady, people who make choices we think are wrong. God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us that our dreams and our visions might join you in bringing justice and peace to your world. Let it be so. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Amen.